to tomorrow. I'm your host, Joshua Topolsky. Today on the podcast, we discuss slippers, dabbing, and Soldier Boy's internet scam. But first, a word from our sponsor. This episode of Tomorrow is brought to you by Wealthfront. Wealthfront is a low-cost automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. It works 24-7 to manage your portfolio, keeping it diversified, customized to your risk profile, and optimizing its trading behavior to keep your tax bill low, all without ever charging commissions. Whether you've got millions or you're just starting out, Wealthfront is the most sophisticated way to invest your money. To sign up and get your free personalized investment portfolio, go to wealthfront.com slash tomorrow. Are you a tech professional searching for a new company to share your tech skills with? Then you should check out Hired. Hired connects talent with top tech companies. On Hired, software engineers and designers get five-plus interview requests in a week. Each offer has salary and equity up front. They have full-time and contract opportunities. Users can view offers and accept or reject them before talking to any company. And they're working with over 2,500 companies from startups to large public companies. They also have employers from 12 major tech hubs in North America and Europe. And it's totally free for users. If you get a job through Hired, they'll give you a $2,000 thank you bonus. And there's a special, if you use our link, hired.com slash tomorrow podcast, to sign up, they'll double that bonus when you accept a job. So they'll double the $2,000 thank you bonus when you sign up at hired.com slash tomorrow podcast. If you're not looking for a job and know someone who is, you can refer them to Hired and get $1,337 in a bonus when they accept the job. So what are you waiting for? Check out Hired.com slash Tomorrow Podcast right now. My guest today is, uh, I think, one of the most interesting people on the internet and a very lovely person. Maybe. Actually, we haven't had that many conversations, so I guess we'll find out. Uh, My guest is the editor-in-chief of The Fader, Naomi Zeichner. Did I say that right? Yes. I've been very nervous about mispronouncing your name, which is not hard to pronounce. It's not so bad. Anyhow, thank you for coming here and being in the studio. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. With this beautiful tapestry <laughs> and restoration <laughs> hardware table underneath. Um, so if you if you are interested in music, I'm just, this is a little intro for people. If you don't know Naomi, you certainly probably know her work. Um, if you're interested in music and you are on the internet, you have definitely read something on The Fader. It's one of the few, I mean, there are a couple of publications on the internet that cover music that, that are interesting. And The Fader is in a very small group. And it's probably like The Fader, Pitchfork, and dot 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 i don't really know who else like not rolling stone no unless you want to read a review of like the new mumford and sons record some cool things yeah days sure days days and confused is the full name of that publication i think dazed is the cover line that they use now is it it's easier i but every everybody does music stuff now yeah but most people suck at it I, yeah. I mean, there are a lot of people who do music stuff and just don't I know what they're talking about. I think you know who's about. done a lot of good music stuff in its run is Grantland, actually, I'd say. Okay, Grantland is excellent, whatever they do, Yeah, I think. Anyhow, so there's a bunch of stuff I want to talk about. Obviously, music is one of the things I want to talk about with you. Oh, I should say, let me preface this by saying I have a cold, so if I sound like shit, you don't, I mean, Naomi doesn't care, but I'm telling the listener, if I sound like shit, you know, tough, 
This is a free podcast, okay? You get what you pay for, which is a guy who sounds like crap. Um, anyhow, so there's a couple things I want to talk to you about, a bunch of things. One is you're one of the few, maybe like the only, and I'm probably like missed there's some holes in my knowledge here. Like I just am not thinking of somebody, but you're one of the few female editors-in-chief or editor-in-chiefs, I'm not really sure which one that is, that isn't, you're not running like a female-focused publication. Like the fader is not like for ladies or whatever. Does that change? I mean, is that does it make it harder? Does it make it easier? Is there any impact of that whatsoever? Yeah. It's a rare thing in our industry. Which is so wild to me. I mean, it's funny when you, the first thing I think when you say this is just like, I think of all the women who are actually super powerful in music media. Like, you know, I think of Jessica Hopper, who I think actually has the title of editor-in-chief of the Pitchfork Review, okay. which is sort of, so she's not, not the boss at Pitchfork, but she runs their print stuff. Right, which is um, like a, which is a quarterly? Yes. Yeah. I think. Uh, yes. And, and like Lindsay Zolads is the music critic at New York Magazine. Lauren Nostro is a woman that I love who runs music news at Complex, which sort of sound like it is, it's not an editor in chief job, but she's like definitely a boss over there. Right. And that's probably like some of their most read stuff, I would imagine. Absolutely. Yeah. And she's so, so yeah. So there are all these women. Karen Gans is doing music editing at the New York Times now, which is awesome. Um, so there's all these women who are really powerful in music, and I think in some ways, like that's that's a that's a change in maybe the last couple of years to some extent. But women have always been really active in music journalism, um, and I think to some extent, the idea that they like ha- haven't been or or whatever is is like a myth. But yeah, I don't. <laughs> it's a it's a weird listen. It's a weird thing to bring up, but I think it's interesting because in terms of like the boss, you're like one in a million. Yeah. Well, I think it's funny, right? Like at at. BuzzFeed, there's actually, I think part of the reason that going to BuzzFeed, I, I worked at BuzzFeed from, for some time, was exciting to me was because there's a lot of female leaders there. Yeah, like Shawnee Hilton, like who Shawnee, I had on. Like yeah. Dory, who is sort of their executive editor of culture, yeah. um, who had previously worked in music and was like actually a big sort of example for me, or I feel like I learned a lot from her. And, and that was like compelling to me. I was like, oh, this is a place that I can become a leader and that, you know, um, and that it's like totally accepted for women to be leaders. Right. I don't think there's anything notable like, oh wow, a woman no, can totally. run the fader. But I think it is notable that in our in, in the industry of media at large, or writ large rather, there aren't a lot of female editor in chiefs, and like that's a bad thing ultimately. I think, and like I will say that like having watched the progression of the fader from when you started to now, like you know, I'm like it's really good. Like it really is. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, you. it's like there's, it's been a very positive progression, you know? And so I think, I mean, this has nothing to do with like whether you're a woman or not, no, but I yeah. just think like, I think th- some diversity in that world is, is probably a good thing. Yeah. And I say this as like the guy who's the editor in chief, who's like a guy, you know, <laughs> like it is, but it is like annoying after a while to meet like a bunch of white guys who are the editor in chief oh, of it's things. The worst. You know, I, I think like, uh, well, so Fader's probably like most notable editor in chief in its history was a woman, Alex Wagner, who was sort of like really cleaned up the place during her time and then went on to all these incredible things. She worked for George Clooney was like right. what she did immediately after Fader, which is still really cool to me. I'm like waiting on that call. Yeah. Uh, and then she was at MSNBC or is at MSNBC. Um, but I think it's funny. I will not name this person, but I have a lot of friends in media and I remember very keenly somebody who was in a leadership position who was hiring a deputy editor and was like, I just need a woman, you know, like I need that woman who's going to get everything done and be on the ball. Somebody said those words And they really acknowledged that that was like, they said, I just need a woman. Well, no, they didn't. I don't know if those were the words, but they were kind of like, yeah, like who is this, who is, you know, who's this killer? Who's going to be this killer for me? And I think a lot of people acknowledge that like women have, uh, you know, 
whatever. There, there's a lot of talented women in our industry who are really capable of just like taking a lot of shit and being in that leadership type role and yeah. like cleaning everything up and being good coaches and all of these things that we need in leadership on the internet. And, uh, but often, right. It's like that deputy role. Right. No, no, I know. And it is actually, I mean, I have to say, um, when I think about like the people that I've hired recently and like, as I think about who's really killer, like who's killer, like a lot of the names that first come to mind are not dudes. Not that there are men doing great jobs, but it is interesting. I think that I hope that that is like a trend, a positive trend. I think it's a positive trend that like this industry, the media industry is becoming much more diverse, um, at least amongst the sexes. Now we've got to work on like yeah. everything else. I think maybe it's relevant to bring up my favorite like to me, the best music slash sort of like pop culture news outlet that exists on the internet right now is the Shade Room, which is predominantly an Instagram account. Uh, if you don't follow it, you have to follow it. I, this is all news to me. Jenna Wortham wrote a really nice sort of very short primer on it in the New York Times Magazine earlier this year. But it's just an Instagram account with sort of imagery from pop culture with long captions. So if you follow it, it's really just like right there in your hand, everything you need to know. And I believe she's still anonymous. I know for a long time she was anonymous, but the woman who's sort of the chief of that and the engine behind it is a woman. Uh, the woman about, is a woman. Are but, you doxing? Are you I, about to dox I, this No, person? I don't know her. I don't know her. Uh, but <laughs> You know I, who it is, though. I don't. I know Jenna met with her, so okay. I know that she's a woman who, you know, at sometimes lives in Brooklyn. And, I, I believe she's Nigerian. I'm, she not, I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it means or something, but I, I just think that there's a there's a very bright future on the sort of the the next wave of the internet for creative women. I think the long caption thing on Instagram is interesting. Like this is definitely a thing. Uh, Questlove does this a mm. lot. Like I don't know if you follow him, but he'll like post something like a picture of a record or whatever. And then just like a super long caption about like his experience with that record or whatever. And it's fascinating, but it's a very specific kind of thing. So I haven't, what is it? The shade room? Yeah. I've not, I don't follow the account and I will obviously, it's after incredible. This. but it's like really interesting. That's become a form of like journalism or communication that is totally not what I don't think Instagram intended. They just don't like, there's no character limit. So like people just write really long things. It's, it's interesting. It's weird. Um, yeah. It's kind of like the better version of Facebook native articles. Looking. Right. Right. <laughs> like it Cause is, you want it. You want to look is at Facebook it. news. Yeah. yeah. But you like, it's very specific cause you follow who you follow. Totally. And it's not like pushed in your feed. Um, okay. So Let's talk about, so you're, this is, you were doing the 100th issue. Yes. This is happening right now. You've been doing articles online that are kind of trickling out from the issue. Rihanna is on the cover. Yes. I was in the, on the drive here, I was talking to Laura, my wife. She was like, yeah, I think Naomi hangs out with Rihanna all the time. Like they just hang out. <laughs> I wish. Were you hanging out with her during the, I, the shoot? No, I, you know, like what, what good is, are, is this title? If I don't send myself to a reality show, I think I'll ask these questions in 20 yeah, years. I don't know why. I don't know why uh, you weren't there. I sent our photo director and right. our style editor at large, who is the vibes manager of the photo shoot. Uh, is that an actual title vibes manager? It's, I, you know, it's something that comes up at Fader a lot. That's uh, interesting because I, think I, it's a real, it's a real like force. You no, know? that's like, I, that's crazy that you say that because I had for a really long time was trying to fill a role at the verge, which was vibe editor, mm. which is just somebody who keeps, could like, keeps the crew get like the vibe right totally. every day. I think a fader to some extent, like that's like a prerequisite of the job. Like yeah. you get hired on vibe first. If your vibe is good. Which is something that I think on I like that I've worked to some extent against to just be like, this is 
if this is a sorority, it is also a workplace. Right. Um, to try to find some balance in those things. <laughs> well, but yeah. You I have think to it's make a, a magazine and a website. Yeah, so. and it, right. Um, but I think a huge, a huge part of sort of what makes somebody a great Fader employee is vibe. Um, right. But no, so I did not meet Rihanna in this process. Uh, I spoke many times on the phone to her creative team, who right. I was actually very impressed with. Right. Um, the standout for me from the pictures that I've seen thus far is that she's wearing like hotel slippers. So those are slides that she designed for Puma. They're oh, incredible. They look like they look like really cozy, furry, maybe furry in some way. Yeah. Well, slippers. I think, you know, I'm not any fashion buff, but I believe they were like furry Celine shoe like slippers of some kind that okay. were like a whole thing in the last couple of years. And okay. I feel like this is like I know maybe, nothing about this. I really know nothing, movement. so I'm speaking totally out of turn. But I think Perfect this is like a riff, a pink like pool pool slide riff on <laughs> the Celine, which is genius, I think. You know, yeah. if I'm if I'm like tracing the lineage right. They look comfortable. That's what I know. She looks really good. Yeah. Yeah. Well I mean I'm like she's a, Rihanna, I'm so obsessed not. with the hair. I think that she she's been wearing most of the summer this uh sort of like curly auburn golden hair and i believe that they just like straightened the curls for the mm-hmm. shoot because it's sort of this like exploded barbie hair i f- it's like gorgeous and i'm not trying to i can't remember really the hair. like like next level hairstyle. i feel like there's something like really upsetting about the fact that i can very very clearly remember the shoes she's wearing <laughs> and not but her not her hair. hair i feel like there's some like weird fetter stuff happening right now which makes me no like, i think upset. your your eye goes to goes to the shoes for sure because like you see the back of her heel which is like not something i think that you're accustomed to seeing on a, a naked heel is not something we all we see on magazine naked heels very provocative i mean it's really like the it's like when the bikini was introduced yeah the naked heel is very radical fader covers have often been these sort of like tight iconic close-ups maybe on a pop color maybe out in the world and i think that this shot for us is sort of a new photographic direction that i'm really excited about the full body yeah and kind of just you see the seams of the shoot right uh and right rihanna has like the shutter release in her hand which is like a whole another layer of something going on right right. so yeah how much of that is how much of that is orchestrated and how much of it is just happens uh so i I don't want to i don't want to like ruin the no totally i it was it was it was sort of like a a ps on our on our creative brief to them was like oh and like you know this the whole concept is that we're going to strip it down and we're going to show the seams of like what's happening and how the photos are getting made and this is a studio shoot but it's like not a normal studio shoot uh and and then there was sort of like this we just like tossed in an image and it was like and what if like one of them is a self-portrait you know uh right. and and they were like well we love that of course they love that yeah. you know and yeah. so uh but i think you know they shot they shot for a while and i i think that those shots sort of among the whole shoot i i love the shots that the photographer sort of set up and took i think that there's some really beautiful stuff but it was sort of clear that rihanna came to life and i think that that's <laughs> right. that's exciting you, you know, know? It, like it's it not is, not it's exciting like, it's like it looks like there's a legitimate engagement in the photo. Yeah. It's not like, oh, yeah, I'm here for the shoot, and now I've got to go. Yeah. Kind of thing. But talking about this, I'm definitely like, every, we will not be doing self-portraits for every issue of the fader. I think that's a good policy. <laughs> yeah. Um So 100 issues. Now, the fader is like, this is something that we talked about a little bit before we started rolling, but I want to talk about. The fader is focused on music. It's a music magazine and a music online publication. But... One of the things that I've noticed since, and I feel like distinctly noticed since you took over uh, as editor, is there seems to be like an expanding range of what is considered like fader 
content or fader material. And increasingly, it feels a lot more like it's branching out into culture beyond music, you know, like sort of entertainment culture, but then culture just sort of generally like internet culture and and sort of youth culture and even a little bit newsy sometimes. And I'm curious, like, is there was there a plan to do that? Is that something that's in your mind every day when you go in and try to figure out like what you guys are doing and and how do you do that? Because I think a lot of this is like a lot of run up to you answering this question, but I think a lot of people are trying to do that now where they're like, oh, we're this, we're about this, but we also are in this, we have this orbit, the sat, these satellites of, of types of things that we do around us. But like, it feels often when people do it, that they're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks or just like firing, hoping to hit something. And the, and what you guys have been doing doesn't feel like that at all. So what's the, what's the process? What's the method by which that is happening? Right? And is it happening specifically? Yeah. Well, that's so good to hear, first of all, that you've noticed that. Yes. I think ultimately maybe, I, I think the answer, the short answer is yes, like that very much I want Fader to be sort of a lifestyle publication first um, and to sort of engage just culture and the culture that music is a part of and the culture that music listeners love and what it means to be a music fan sort of holistically. But I think in terms of strategy or approach, uh, it's maybe it get, gets a lot fuzzier. I think ultimately in coming back, the first sort of thing that I really wanted to put my stamp on, right, is just how we handle our cover stories, which is sort of like the the, the ultimate crown jewel and core of the brand. And something that I really wanted to make sure that we were deepening was that these weren't just like we got into your bedroom profiles, which is like kind of something that the fader did very well historically, uh, but that we were also like really contextualizing these music stories and doing better reporting sort of around the artist. Right. And I think out of that approach branches everything else. Right. So I, I felt it was really important to hire somebody who was really in charge of news and not somebody who was just going to be like the aggregator in chief, but somebody who knew how to report and was excited to report and could kind of be a mentor for other writers on the team in terms of just what reporting is and basic reaching out for comment stuff, uh, which I think, right, is not like a skill you learn when your big goal is to be a tracks blogger. Um, but ultimately like, like the real long game of all of this is that tracks blogging is just like not, is not the way to win the internet anymore. And and maybe it never was, but it certainly is like, is no longer the bread and butter of music blogging. But a few years ago, Fader definitely was like, yeah, Fader was, was the like, best tracks blog of all time. Yeah. Like that's kind of a dead thing. I feel like. It's I mean, I feel super like, dead. I feel like with the rise of Spotify and social, like things like that have replaced the need for like a blog to be like, listen to this right now. I mean, I I just don't. I yeah, mean, even I think, calling Fader a blog, I think, is disingenuous to the form. Absolutely. I mean, I well, I think at some point there really was like the blog launched. Like it was like Fader was like we're a magazine and now we're launching a blog and right. that blog happened. But when to it be was like I'm going from a magazine to the internet, you know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Like not. I mean, it was like the Fader was a magazine. Right. And, and did the, it have a website for a while? There was like, yeah, I mean, there was like that sort of shell website that had the like splash page. But yeah. When and then it, be- it was like, okay, now there we have a blog because that's like what was on the internet in terms of like Absolutely. journalism. And if you were like a modern publication, but you've definitely evolved beyond yes. that to like a much more sort of hybrid unified thing. Yeah. And I think that's like that ball has been rolling for a really long time. You know, I think Fader did really good columns and kind of had columnists from different vantage points around the world or who were like genre specialists. That was sort of like the beginning. And then there was a lot of like sort of more think PC writing and what weird writing, right? Has right. always been like right. core to the Fader. But yeah. Which is good. Weird is good. 
I mean, so so if tracks blogging is dead, and I think especially right now, the fact that like SoundCloud is like maybe going to disappear is like one of the final nails in that coffin. Is like, it? Well, not disappear, but I just think that it's like it, labels don't want to, their artists to release stuff on SoundCloud. Like I think now that right. there are so many more, it's it's just like it feels like a very contested space. And I think SoundCloud has been the only kind of like truly, aside from YouTube, the sort of like stable in bed of our industry, you know, right. I like you may not remember Z Share or Hulk Share or Audio Mac or whatever, all these things that kind of I don't remember beast. any of those. <laughs> so if you're a music blogger, you but might. like but like I used like I remember LimeWire was like the thing I used to yeah. download like crazy obscure like kraut rock records that you couldn't right. get anywhere. So, so very like, different, but well no, like post LimeWire there was like this weird liminal space of like all these like Mediafire esque embeddable sort of downloadable oh, streamable yeah. things that, that like, sounds kind of music familiar. blogs have survived on and it's like kind of like if if everything's going to go straight to a streaming platform if you go straight to an apple music exclusive it's like sort of why what what is that second single rollout on a music block anyway so is like apple music and spotify are they a good thing or a bad thing for what you're trying to do well i i think they're i mean i think they're a good thing for music fans right so i think that it just i and i think that's that that's that's a very diplomatic answer no, but I think that it means that our responsibility is different. You know, I don't think it's a bad thing for music bloggers to have to do something else besides sort of say, like, this is a song from an album that's coming out next week. I think it does kind of, it, it does sort of take the rug out from under the kind of, like, typical album rollout. Right. And I think that's okay. I mean, I think it also puts a lot more weight on music videos and music videos needing to be interesting and worth writing about and, like, worth making gifts of and things like that. You know, right. that's a service that... Or that's something fans can do and that blogs can do well if they want to also. But yeah, I think we are seeing sort of these like event album drops uh, be really fruitful for music writers, Um, whether they're sort of like the Beyonce surprise or the Kendrick surprise, which is, you know, or something like Drake and Future's album, which was kind of like this big radio Apple music exclusive. Yeah. but all of that aside, tracks blogging is complicated, but I think that we can just do better, right? It's just like, what stories do we really want to tell? Right. And and we, we have talented people in the room, and how can we really do what we do really well in our features all the time? I, it's funny because as you brought up, like, the, blo- the tracks blogging aspect of the fader, I was like, oh, yeah, that used to be something that, like, I remember going to the fader for. And yet now I think very much, like, I think of the fader as, like, features and some news and some, like, culture stuff around the world of music. And so it feels like it's a, it's a, like, a definite shift away from the sort of almost servicey. I mean, tracks blogging is, like, a very servicey form of journalism for, totally. like, music fans, right? Yeah. So that's intentional. Yes. Right. But it's not, is it market forces that are changing it for you? Is it like, oh shit, the market has changed. It's harder to do tracks blogging. Therefore we need to move into this other thing more fully. Or is it, this is just a a logical progression of what the fader is. I think it's right. Just wanting to do work. That's like the best work we can do. And I think, and kind of coming in and doing stuff you're proud of, not feeling like there's any, you know, faders never had any traffic quotas or post quotas and, and, I think that's maybe been like a lot of trust and a lot of space for people. And maybe I know that, I mean, I blogged for years, right? So I, I know what my best work was and what it looked and felt like. And I, I'm just kind of trying to create space like that for our writers and to kind of push them into something that might be a little harder to create. Um, and, and will certainly return more on their energy. Okay. I want to take a quick break. I'll take a quick break and then we'll be back, uh, with more. I have a bunch of questions for you. Cool. Have you heard of Schoolhouse? 
Really? You haven't heard of Schoolhouse? You pathetic idiot. Schoolhouse is a New York-based and globally inspired brand design agency. When subjective experiences challenge you as an individual, dare you to take creative risks and ask individuals to define the collective versus the collective defining the individual, life and experience serve as your schoolhouse. That's why Schoolhouse is about finding your brand truth and not just your brand story. At Schoolhouse, it's not only what they do, it's how they do it that makes the biggest impact. Authenticity, collaboration, and expression keep Schoolhouse sharp, excited, and honest about the work they do. They know the value of client relationships based on quality and trust. Their schoolhouse, the branding brand. Learn more at www.weareschoolhouse.com and follow them daily on Instagram at schoolhouseNYC. Again, to find out more, go to weareschoolhouse.com today. You know, you should be investing your money long term. You've probably wondered how to do it. I know I've spent a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of uh, very cold, lonely mornings, uh, weekends by myself thinking, how, how am I going to invest? all of the, the billions and billions of dollars that I have. It's tough. Luckily, Wealthfront makes it easy for anyone to get access to world-class long-term investment management. It's online, it's an automated service, and it invests your money for you so you don't have to because I think we all agree that you're not very good at it. Uh, you can sign up for an account at Wealthfront.com in just a couple of minutes. It goes right to work. It monitors your portfolios round the clock and uh, will take action as soon as an opportunity arises. With Wealthfront, you pay less than five bucks a month to invest a $30,000 account. You don't have to have a lot to get started either. You can open an account with as little as $500. Tens of thousands of people from across the country have signed up already. In fact, Wealthfront manages over $2.6 billion in client assets, and it's grown over 20 times in the past two years. So go to Wealthfront.com slash tomorrow to see your free personalized investment portfolio. You'll see the customized allocation they recommend for your profile. And just for tomorrow, listeners, if you sign up to invest, Wealthfront will manage your first $15,000 entirely free of charge for life. That means in addition to never paying commissions or any hidden fees, you also won't pay any management fees to have that first fifteen grand invested. Claim your offer today at Wealthfront.com slash tomorrow. For compliance purposes, I have to tell you that Wealthfront Incorporated is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Invested in securities involves risk, and there is the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read our full disclosure. We're back with Naomi Zeichner. I think I said it right for a second time, so I'm really excited Perfectly. about that. Um, so I want to talk about music. You're really, so I have. I mean, I'm sure people who listen to this are sick of me talking like, "Oh yeah, I'm used to be a music guy," <laughs> uh, and I always use that voice when I talk about it. But like, tell me about your relationship with music. Like, at what point did you? I mean, you started working for the Fader in what year? 2010. 2010. So, like, at what point were you? In what like? Were you obsessive about music? What was it that drove you to go like, oh, I want to write about... I mean, because I remember when I started at Engadget, I was like, I'm a huge nerd and I'm really into technology and I should go write about it at this place. You know, like what was your... How did you end up in at the Fader? Was it an obsession of music? Was it something else? I, it's a really good question. And I mean, something <laughs> that I say now is like, I'm not even a music person. Like I say this all the time and I kind of like, I feel bad... <laughs> Or I feel can't like be I, true. I, no, it's not true, but I know enough about music fans and sort of like the real heads to know that I shouldn't pretend to call myself a real head or something or that I can't, you well, know, you I can, the, but you run the fader. Yeah, absolutely. I know. And, and I claim a lot of knowledge and a lot of expertise in our field now, but I think I don't, I just, I don't feel any like value in stepping on those toes. I don't know. Long story short, 
uh, I definitely, I grew up in Athens, Georgia, which is a big music town. Oh, so you're from I, Georgia. Yeah. Interesting. Right? Can't yeah. you tell? No. <laughs> Not at all, but there's a lot of Georgia people. I just had uh, Rembert Brown on. Yeah, so and me and Rembert are the same year. Uh, we didn't, we, we, so he's from Atlanta and I'm from Athens, but okay. I feel like Whatever. we do Whatever, you're have both from Georgia. Did I say Atlanta kinship. or Georgia? You said Georgia. Okay. You're right. No, but just, I think. Just like, there's like Georgia and Matt Buchanan is from Georgia. Yeah. There's like some other people. I think know. a lot of Georgia people end up in New York. They like don't, they don't go to LA as much as they go to New York or yeah. something. But so yeah, I grew up in Athens, Georgia, which is the college town there. That's where REM is from. That's where REM is from. <laughs> Sorry, that's does what, that annoy everybody says that? No, but I, I mean, I think that's kind of the story I'm telling, which is just that. Is that also it, where the B-52s are from? Yes. Well, they're okay. from, they're not from Athens, but it's kind of where they came up. Right. Uh, my best friend in high school, her mom was in this band Pylon. I don't know if you know the band. Oh, yeah. really sick band yeah yeah uh so it whatever it was in her mom town. her mom was in that band mm-hmm. shout out to vanessa hay <laughs> uh but it's funny actually sidebar that most of the music people in athens now are now food people oh really athens has had this like food renaissance interesting i'm kind of i mean i think that's kind of cool but so i grew up like when i was a kid going to a lot of shows it was kind of like the thing to do and the townies were all music people and i was like i guess the scene that i was really i when, when i interviewed for an internship at the fader i think uh the editor-in-chief of the time matthew schnipper like got in his head that i was a hardcore kid and that we had this in common were you no, but I, I think I had told him that I was like, that I'd gone to a lot of punk shows, but they were like folk punk shows, which is like really different. Like who were you going to see? Uh, I don't, those, there were sort of like this network of bands from like Gainesville, Athens, and Bloomington, an Indiana. Of, can you name any of them? Uh, well, there's like the band This Bike is a Pipe Bomb. There okay. was a really amazing band from Athens, Georgia called Carrie Nations. If that's on Spotify, This Bike is a Pipe Bomb that. is a pipe bomb I've never heard of. It's, so. it's like on, it's, I wouldn't, I don't want to like be like, it's terrible music, but it's definitely not. I, what, was I will, the, what was the other band? Uh, this band called Carrie Nations from Athens was incredible. There's a girl named Mad, like she performed as Madeline. Uh, I was like really into in high school. Okay, uh, but it was like so it, it like... was about being a part of a scene, right? So like that was that was my identity as a music fan at the time. And then I think when I, but I was also a huge rap fan growing up, right? Like th- like something me and Rembert have in common is that we were just like raised by Outkast. Like you say, rap, not hip hop. Yeah, I think hip hop is like it's it upsets me. It's actually funny. I feel like I. You know, the word rapper can be such an ugly word. And so people try to write MC or like capital M, capital C. I I prefer rap and rapper. Really? Always, all why? The time. Tell me why. I don't know if there's a reason. I, I think just hip hop carries this big burden of being like the, the five pillar art form and there's backpacks involved or whatever. That, oh, that's, so you think of you like, know, you like, think of like LP? Is that what happens? To, no, I love LP. I think like I, <laughs> but like backpack rap, like yeah. No, I, just I, mean, think I don't know if LP hip-hop, actually hip-hop is in that. Feels but like, like how the sort of like Smithsonian will refer to it, and I feel like that's not what I'm. Th- I'm not you thinking feel of like, like hip hop. Sounds like white guys talking about rap music. Or just old people talking about rap music. But old white guys. But it also feels, <laughs> hip-hop is like, to me, I think hip-hop is, is like actually more of a defined sound. <clears throat> like what you're supposed to hear when you hear hip-hop is like a certain type of drum, maybe. Really? I mean, the, I Wait, don't what? Know. Tell me what's, what you think. <laughs> what, is, what it sounds hip-hop? I don't know. Give me like a song. Like, like, like if it comes to mind. I mean, like, like De La Soul is an excellent example of like hip-hop I love, you right. know? But like, to there, me, is rap there a, is just like a more inclusive term. It's like if you're rapping, you're making rap music. Right. But then, then you start to include people like like um, Linkin Park or <laughs> no, because they have raps in their songs. Sure, but does Linkin Park I mean, fall into the rap okay. category? Then they're making shitty rap music. They're it's like whatever. Shitty, they're making shitty, shitty rap yeah. music. Yeah, rap music. Okay, I was always a big fan of rap music. So rap and and like folk punk. 
Yeah. Punk folk. Is that right? I yeah. just want to make sure I'm understanding. And I think this I like also right when I was younger was like trying to understand, you know, was like reading blogs and trying to understand like why Devendra Banhart was supposed to be so good or Yeah. You don't you like Devendra Banhart? I'm like fine. It's okay. I'm not a big fan, personally. It's certainly not something it. that's like care it's not stayed with me in my adult right. life. Alright, what's the first record you ever bought? Uh, so I first off, did you ever buy a record? Y- yes. It's <laughs> such a weird question. Now I realize, no, like, what I is stupid? Like, I mean, I grew up in that. Like, you go to Best Buy, you buy like five CDs on a on a weekend or whatever. Right. I think the record. I I remember. I don't know if it was like the very first, but there was definitely like a trip to the CD store where I had I got the Silver Chair album, Frog Stomp, Silver and Chair. Alanis Morissette, oh Jagged Little Pill. Oh my god, Silver Chair. It's really bad, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, Silver Chair is like it's like um. Like a three, Nirvana 3.0 kind of band. Yeah. I don't, oh, Silverchair's like I the Australian remember. band. I, yeah. The, the lead singer's like they pretty young. He was like 18 album, or something. But I believe at, like later they had, they were like resuscitated by MTV because they had like a anorexia awareness song. Yeah. What's their hit? What's Silverchair's hit? I honestly don't even remember. I'm surprised you don't want to talk about Alanis. No, no. We're, I'm getting there. <laughs> I'm getting there. So you also bought Jagged Little Pill. Yeah. Which is but that like, to me is like more understandable. That was like a yeah. real, well, I mean, whatever. I mean, you can. No, I think I was always really into pop music. Like I think right. that that's still. I'm I'm really like and and to some extent where I'm like oh, I'm not a music person I think I'm just like really I'm comfortable with being somebody who really likes melodic pop music and I, so, I, yeah. so do you like so do you like all the stuff that Dr. Luke does and Max Martin are you a fan of like you know Selena Gomez's new record or whatever. Um, I haven't see, listened to the Selena record I hear it's great I you know I'm a huge fan of Max Martin in that he was like a part of this. Like, I, I think that the stuff that Mac, when Max Martin was like the studio intern and he was doing like Ace of Bass records, like those are my favorite records of all time. <laughs> those are, I was like, going to ask you, what's your favorite record of all time? I mean, I have your actual favorite record What's your actual favorite record of all Like, you've got like, you can take this one record with like Desert Island. You can take this record and nothing oh, that's else. That's so difficult. Is it? Uh, yeah, for me, it's really, I think that for me, like the easy answer to that question is like Outcast Equimini, which is like everything to me. And then I think like, well, like an answer. paired to... Futures tape Streets Calling from 2011 for me is just like it's I don't know it's just my so favorite it's one record. of those two it's like both of those you can't you they're can't both Dungeon both. Family so they're like both. in the same family <laughs> yeah but you can only take one I guess you take the Outcast record right I don't know I no don't know. I take the Future record really yeah man wow but you say that now through like a modern lens people have been knows? telling me that I'm gonna stop being a Future fan for like six years and I'm still a Future fan so. what is it about Future that you like so much I don't because I don't actually personally like I'll be honest I don't it doesn't do it's not doing anything for me yeah well I think I mean then again I'm not that he's cool he's got I mean he's made a ton of songs and they run a real spectrum and I think to like want to stick with him for everything is is one thing but I don't know I mean to me that he it's like the same shit I love about Bob Marley or something which might seem like really stretchy which is what which is what just being like a total voice for the people and being like this really like uh stretched thin <laughs> like grasping for air soulful type person yeah uh, what do you think about the Drake who future? Who writes killer hooks? What do you think about the Drake future stuff? I think it's I I think it's awesome. I mean I I think that I've like I I feel in some way like just Drake has really dominated my whole year both as an editor and a listener <laughs> I and think like that's true for everybody. Yeah, and and I don't I I guess there's nothing wrong with that. You know I think to a certain extent as like a as a curious listener I'm like a little hesitant about that. I'm like man I really gotta make sure to not you know to listen to something else. Um, but. Yeah, I think it's great. I I I think to some extent as a future fan, I have a tiny chip on my shoulder because I think the sort of the melodic innovation that is happening on some of those songs is really coming from Drake, which was a surprise to me. Right. But it's a stellar performance from Future. 
Future's album this year, DS2, was incredible. And it was like really, for me, it's really satisfying to see him both sell records and to convert some of these kind of like these naysayers who just didn't, weren't, weren't writing for it or were really writing against it for so long. Well, that's actually really interesting. Like I, I've been thinking a lot about if you look at the musical landscape now, um, it feels like everything that is good is also popular. Like, I feel like we're in a really weird time. I mean, when I grew up, and this is probably true for you, when you grew up, and God, this sounds like lame shit when I say like when I grew up, but like it was, there's definitely like a divide between what was popular and what like a lot of people listened to, what like the masses listened to and what like I was into or what the people I knew was into and was like considered indie or not mainstream. Do you feel like there's been a convergence that I've been, I feel like this has been driven by just like the rise of the internet as the place where everybody kind of gets this stuff, but doesn't it seem like, I mean, how long was Future doing records and not making money? Because it feels like, I feel like I've heard people talk about Future forever and like in the way that like, oh yeah, this is good. You got to listen to it and everybody's listening to yeah. it. Well, Future was always making money because Future was playing a million shows. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so that's, so, you know, that's an important element of his longevity and I think a testament to his something. But, uh, but no, I think to some extent, yes, I think this is very true that there's sort of no, no underground and no mainstream. And I think it's, it, it, it's definitely a conversation that comes up a lot at Fader because Fader was sort of this place that was going to, was never like, was never so indie and so better than the mainstream, right? Which was like one of the reasons to me it was always more appealing as a brand than like a, the pitchworks of the world. You know, no yeah. shots to pitchwork. I'm a huge fan of what they do. But like um, just as a reader growing up, which is why I felt like I belonged at Fader was because it was like it didn't have any problem with liking Soldier Boy. Right. Or whatever. But he had a cover. He did have a cover, which was like much later, arguably, like kind of right. like, I mean, like post post fame. Yeah, like years following Cranked Up, but What's he doing a now? great story. What's he up to? He's still actually. This is something that maybe you'd be interested in. I'm really obsessed with Soldier Boy's Facebook page. He it like it posts these like shell posts that used to be hosted on LockerDome.com, which is a website that fascinates me, but now are from SoldierBoyHD.com, which are like these crazy clickbait posts that when you actually like go down the rabbit hole of them, don't even make sense. And most of the headline. Anyway, it's crazy. So, so Soldier Boy Soldier has like a spam Facebook page. Clearly making money off of that somehow and sad. doing other That's things. Really sad. No, it's dark as fuck. No, I, like what? I feel like this Soldier is, Boy's now doing like internet scam no, ads has, on his Facebook. He page. has tapes once in a while. You know, um, what were we talking about? Before? I don't know. What do you think? That feel, what do you think? That, what do you think that feels like? Though I have to say, sorry, I'm losing my voice here. But what do you think it feels like to be Soldier Boy? And then you now you're like you've got like weird click scam stuff on Facebook. Like that is somebody doesn't make a movie about that. They're missing an opportunity. It yeah. does seem dark. I think Soldier Boy's entire life has <clears throat> honestly been super surreal. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. He was one of the first viral YouTube stars. You know, he became this really prolific kid who was like really into playing, I think kind of just had an inner circle around him, played a lot of video games. Right. Uh, kept making music has kind of like never had any illusion of being like the best author, but has always just been like an intense sponge for anything that's happening at that moment, which in some ways, right? Like really is like a for forefather of like today's vine stars or something. Right. Um, I don't know what, what it's about, like what to be Fatty Wap? Boy. What about Fatty Wap? Uh, well, yeah. Some parallels actually. I feel no, like, you don't think? I think pretty different. I mean, I think if, What's incredible about Fetty Wap is that there's no parallel, right? He's like literally like an immaculate conception miracle to kind of come out of Patterson, New Jersey with this amazing video. Yeah. It's amazing song. Well, how does uh, that happen? Well, I mean, I, 
like high schoolers, first of all, right? Like he has this song and like kids lift it up. And I think that happened with Chief Keefe as well, that it's really like passed from middle school girl to middle school girl. Right. But that, I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like the virality of it, at least like there's probably no other comparison to Soldier Boy, but the virality of it. Yes. That where it came from very much like, oh, what's this? Like out of nowhere. Like it wasn't. Right. I mean, I don't know how much this is probably a bad comparison. But I don't know how much Soldier Boy was like constructed by a label versus no, he, like. I don't think he was le- at all. Right. Legitimately like this came yeah. from. And, he, and I think I don't I don't think any of these people are constructed by a label. But the difference between like T. Wayne, who had a very viral song with Nasty Freestyle this year and there's like there's been a ton of viral songs this year and last year T-Wayne, and that name feels like it's like yeah oh yeah T-Wayne. <laughs> T-Wayne, I got it, yes. it's like a little bit of a couple of different names that i know so i yeah. guess i'll just accept this but fetty fetty did it four times five times you know like right. and, no but his that's the thing and it's actually like one yeah. after another it feels like yeah and I think he's been, you know, I, I've seen Fetty do these like little spot appearances on other people's tours or on his own tour. Like he can actually sing live, which is I, to me a really? huge. Yeah. Like his voice sounds great. Like maybe, maybe some days it doesn't sound great because yeah. he's been out here a but lot. Like, but the records are all like heavily like, like auto-tuned. I mean, not auto-tuned for like to make it good, but auto-tuned to make it sound like. Yeah. Like I, that, that's not a natural sound that is happening. No, but he's really like out here wailing. And I think like uh, that's, that's been a thing like that people are like, oh, future just auto do whatever t-pain just auto tunes like it's right. like all these people like have a real sense of melody and, and what they want to do with their well voice, yeah i feel like know? their their use of autotune is to pervert the sound of like a, what would be like typically melodic which is what makes it interesting totally you know it's not like you're using autotune to correct something you're actually using autotune to break something yeah but yeah, Fetty Wap, I don't know, like he took it, he took it from it to terrestrial radio, to pop radio, right? Not just to urban radio in right. this like incredible way. And I think really what he, what he shows though is like this, the, the, the divide between urban radio and pop radio is so like arbitrary and stupid, right? you know, and I, I don't really understand why it exists in America. Well, it's because there's a huge mechanism that was built to support one, I mean, that doesn't exist for the other, right? right. I mean, there's like a... It's like, you know, payola, but not payola, but it is essentially like a system that is designed by like major labels and record, or sorry, uh, major labels and radio stations, right? Totally. I mean, terrestrial, I don't know even who's going to listen to terrestrial radio in five years. I think it's a really good question because I like, mean, right, no, it's still such a, but it's still such a powerful force. Yeah, but at some point, one of two things happens, right? Like every car has Apple or Google in it and, and, or serious and so i mean do you consider serious to be terrestrial radio i mean it's not i mean do you consider it no, to be part of that I'm same thinking of really like yeah i mean serious is i think serious often has a really positive impact on artists and songs too and can really like be that fire starter for artists but, right uh and i love it when i have a rental car and i could you know like I right. think it's really good but well, no i'm thing. thinking I mean, like just it, like that to, you know that whatever that dad is turning on for his kid in the car yeah who has like the but most I mean, basic set yeah to me maybe i'm not like the right person as in to use an example but like i never put on maybe i'll listen to wnyc once in a while like i'll listen to npr but i never put on music on the radio ever you anymore. never ask the uber driver like can we listen to hot 97 usually when i'm in an uber it's for like br- it's very brief i'm like going somewhere in like the city or in another city like between like a 15 minute you know point a to point b or i'm in an uber going to the airport or coming back from the airport and those are the times that i probably don't want to hear any music at all where i'm like 
it's like 7 a.m. and I'm in traffic right. on like 495. I guess that's the difference between me and you. It's just like at 7 a.m. All <laughs> you, I want to hear is hear T. Wayne. <laughs> oh, we didn't even talk about this. Actually, speaking of 7 a.m. So you you exercise this morning. You were telling me you do Soul Cycle. I do. Yeah. On Tuesdays. But, but before you came here, you were with Sway. Yes. So from MTV. Which is, I mean, <laughs> it's incredible. What were you doing with Sway? We were talking about Fader 100. <laughs> it was, I love that it, you, I love that I now, I feel like I've got a, I feel like I could be in contact with Sway if totally necessary. And to me, Sway is like a mythical character. Right, me too. And because I think he's been like the only thing that has stayed the same on MTV. <laughs> and he looks so like, good. In like 15, 20 years or something. I think maybe something that was weird about me, which is like the reason that I'm in this job right now, right, is not just that I was like some crazy music fan, but was that I was like really interested in Sway. Like really interested in uh, sort like of per, You were personally interested in Sway. And, and like really into magazines, you know, and, and I think that it's awesome to be able to kind of be hanging out with him. And he's so good at his, I think Sway is really excellent at his job. I think like that actually the serious show is probably like the best expression of his talents. What, right channel, now. what channels? Yeah. I think it's hip hop nation. I don't oh, know what the okay. number is. There's like a bunch of, there's a handful of hip hop. I know it's shade 45 actually. Right. He's what on is, shade 45. There's like a bunch though. I mean, it's not like one. Yeah. There's, that's what's the great there's thing shade 45 hip hop nation and the heat, which is tight. All right. So let me ask you something. So music, I feel like, so first off, like pop music has been basically eaten by, hip hop or rap, depending on who you talk to. Like, I feel like pop music almost doesn't exist as like the pop music form that we've known for a really long time. I you don't know. know. I you, don't know. You think it does? Yeah, there's, I mean, what I mean is what's the, the most popular song on the radio right now? I mean, Taylor Swift is like the pop Okay, artist. forget about Taylor Swift. She doesn't count. Yeah. What's your take on Taylor Swift? You know, it's like, I'm just not a fan, but I. I, but like, let her be, man. She like, really? or like crown, like she's done incredible things. I think she's, but she's fucking annoying sometimes. You got to admit. It's just not for me. That like, squad shit is annoying. Yeah. It's, it's, well, I'm not you know, saying this, by the way, I'm not saying this, say this as like a member of the patriarchy or whatever. I'm saying it as an observer of pop, like the pop mu- music I think, world. I don't, I don't quite understand it or why, what, what it's like really doing for her and her career right now. But like, I don't know when Rihanna goes on stage. Like Rihanna has an amazing squad of real friends. You don't. You only want to see Rihanna. I think people. I mean, people would clearly be happy to only see Taylor Swift too. I, I don't guess know. So. I think, but it's there's nothing. I, I it don't does know. feel Drake, like a put Drake on. Does like it feels a, like a put on. You know, though. Drake is really famous for these sort of cosigns, but they, yeah, but Drake's cosigns are feel authentic, and I feel like yeah, the, I feel like what annoys me most about Taylor Swift at this point is not her music. It's this like this like feeling that we should all be like that. Let's like root for Taylor and all of her friends. It's like you know what I don't want to like root for the most popular girl in high school or whatever. Like it's not that it's not appealing to me. Like, yeah, I mean, it's I, like, oh, even, you're the best and you've got a lot of awesome friends. Like, congratulations. That like little, whether it was manufactured or not. Uh, and I think it probably wasn't the sort of like when she, when, when Nicki Minaj was sort of very eloquently speaking about being her frustration with not being nominated for video of the year and sort of like, and Taylor Swift kind of took it as a as an insult to her and was like, I'm just trying to be friends with everybody. It was kind of like this real ignorance yeah. of anything but sort of like white feminism. That like yeah. white feminism is the most important thing in the world. And like, I don't know. <laughs> and not that it matters because yeah. it's like MTV and like their relevancy is, you know, it's not what it used to be. But like Nikki's right. I mean, also, yeah, also like from a talent perspective, I mean she's like so crazy talented like that should be recognized more i think right i made a crazy impactful video that was like absolutely everything that the vmas is sort of looking for right it's it's it's, it is actually annoying where they have this kind of like make nice thing although i feel like nikki kind of was not like 100 percent real in the whole like i'm buddies with taylor swift now who knows i think the, the vmas really are like this insane like opera of finding last year's funny moment 
to memorialize again to make another right. moment for next year. Right, I mean, like, it's, right. it's gotten pretty crazy. Kanye can do Runaway like the following year because it's like perfectly fitting in <laughs> yeah, the... Yeah, as the, long as Kanye and Taylor Swift like touch every right. year, the VMAs will go <laughs> but on. But it is like, it is, but it's all manufactured, right? I mean, Rem and I were talking about this, but like there is like a sense of like tremendous manufacture. Absolutely. Like to the whole thing. Yeah. Which is like, you know, definitely... I mean, it is one of these things like in our modern, in the modern world where like, it's very difficult to tell now, like what is a real thing versus what is a, what is a manufactured thing? I mean, even like, you know, you look at something like, what is the, was it the Harlem Shake? Is that like the meme? That was like the meme of the song, right? It's like, yep. who is it? Brower or Bauer? Bauer. Bauer, right. Um, and it's like, the Harlem Shake started, there was like a video. And then like the next most popular one was like BuzzFeed's Harlem Shake video. And it's like, is that actually happening? Or was it created by like a media entity? And now like, because the media entity, which also promotes the thing has done it. I feel like there's a lot of that in our world right now. And it's like MTV is like a really good example of this where it's like, oh, the Nikki Miley thing, was that real or not? It's like, the first off, does it even matter if it's real? I don't think so. Who's it for though? Is it for you? Is it for kids? Yeah, it's definitely not not for music blogs. It's like all that stuff is great for. <laughs> Did you cover that I, on the fader? Even, uh, yeah, we covered the VMAs. We had like a little. I think it was actually maybe the first time in fader history that there was a group, like a squad, live blogging at the office. We've done a lot of live blogging, but oh, you did people, like, everybody. Yeah, because it's like it's not, like your app, like none your of Apple these kids event. have cable. So where else are they going to go? You can't <laughs> yeah, just roll on, up you, to someone's house. Maybe you got to pay them. Got to pay them some more money. That's uh, who wants cable. Time Nobody to unionize. Time to unionize at the fader, guys. <laughs> I won't argue with that. Okay. That's very nice of you. So what's the future? What is the future of music? Wow. Come on. Taylor Swift, totally agree. Like she exists. But then like you look at a lot of the other pop music, it's like really heavily influenced by rap music, by house music. Internet clearly is changing like what gets popular in some ways. I mean, I think though that there are still these artists that like become just acceptable on this globe, like are are loved and adored on a global level that it's very hard to attain, like an Adele or or a Sam Smith or something. Which I think oh, two British, two white British artists, yeah, but I who I, arguably are are making black music. I mean, you know, like the stuff they sure. do is like totally absolutely appro- totally yeah. appropriated in terms of like sound, like sonic structure and sound. Right. So I think maybe <laughs> what what reaches that upper 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 echelon of popular that like may even elude Fetty Wap is like kind of like not it's just not a matter of sound right it's a matter right. of like what people are willing to bring like, into their can, homes so you don't think Fetty Wap could be Taylor Swift whether Fetty Wap can be Taylor Swift is like just this crazy other question but I think that he already really succeeded in like just like proving that you know kind of out of left field you can have not just one but like many singles that right. really impact the entire country but I think right it's like not <laughs> Then again, his most well-known song, sorry, his most well-known song is about, like, cooking drugs. <laughs> it's like... Do you know the Fetty Wap song, Again? No. It's just a really awesome song. What's it about? Love. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I just heard a song, actually, that was, like, about love. It's called, like, something about time. It's, like, not enough time or... no Anyhow, whatever. They played it during this interview, and I was like, this is, like, kind of romantic. There's so many romantic songs on well, it is actually, like, even radio. Trap Queen is, like kind yeah, of a romantic song romantic song which is i think why yeah. it like really like right those influential teens were like so obsessed <laughs> with it but i think it's like it's really not so much about sound right because like i don't know like that crazy jack you justin bieber song that sounds like nothing you've ever heard before can be a pop song anything can be a yeah. pop song now but i yeah. think that and anything can be a rap song 
too. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, or not no, anything. No, no. <laughs> but, but, but like rap, Taylor Swift can't rap have songs. A, I mean, if we're going to call Fetty Wap a, a, a rapper, if we want, right. Or are, and, are we, you tell me, you I run mean, the fader. I'm just some, he's schmuck. played, he's played on urban radio. I would, I would call Fetty Wap a singer, but I think that, you know, he made, he, he has rap yeah, he production. He doesn't his rap really. He, I guess he does. I mean, six, seven, nine. He's like kind of rapping on that song. But yeah. None of these distinctions are incredibly important to me. Right. But I am really interested, right? In like, just it, pop artists are increasingly really trying to market themselves as like authentic, whatever right. that means to them. It's right. like the thing, right? Like Megan Trainer is like, I have curves. With that to her is, you know, such, <laughs> you sound really dismissive when you say that. I, I am she not. Does have I'm curves. not. A, she, she's beautiful, okay. but I'm you not a what? fan of Megan Trainer's oh my God. message necessarily because <laughs> it feels really canned to me. But I think that there is this really, um, this like intent, like all, all popular music must also feel authentic and real. I think I think that I'm I'm really interested in these pop artists like I don't know Zayn Malik leaving One Direction and feeling like it's really important for him to like <laughs> like like only post black and white pictures to Instagram. It's just like a really interesting move. Is that him being authentic? I don't know. I don't know what it is, you know? I think like it's a well we will find out. But I I I think that there's like there's this real idea or you know or whatever Carly Rae Jepsen working with or Solange back in the day or somebody like Scott Ferreira these like straddling artists with, with um, Mike Will. No. Oh, uh, with Wayne Coyne. <laughs> yeah, with the Flamey Lips. Doing what Miley Cyrus doing whatever she wants. Record. It's so bad. Have you yeah. listened to it? I, so I, I'll, yeah, I think Michael had some good beats on there, but oh, it's insane. It's it? so long. It, <clears throat> why is it so long? It's messed up. I think something we can all learn from Future and Drake this year is that 11 song records are pretty tight. They that's really like, seem like to a, work in the streaming era. That's like the standard. Isn't that kind of a standard album length? I don't know. iTunes deluxe editions. A lot of people were doing like 15 to 17 songs and you could oh, repackage and make more money. That's and, true. Like, and mixtapes um, traditionally were like, you know, rap mixtapes were much longer. Yeah. Like Lord, like the Lord has like a deluxe version of her record that has like a bunch of extra songs that probably aren't that necessary for people to hear. Yeah. It's like, oh, we have some <laughs> demos that we weren't going to release. <laughs> But here they are, the right. deluxe version. The Japan version, no. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess getting back to the the thing, that whatever the fuck it is we were talking about, which I, at this point, don't really know, <laughs> is like, um, but music has like dramatically changed, but but we still don't have, I do think there is that point of uh, acceptance of like a truly, Trap Queen can be a breakout hit, but like you don't necessarily see, I mean, Drake is an example, certainly of an artist who, but like Drake's, like Drake's Drake. You know, he's got like a completely like he was like an, on TV before he was Drake, you know, and so it's a little bit of a different story than like a Fetty Wap, for instance, you know, and it's like the music is changing and is heavily influenced by that. But are we going to get to a place where that kind of celebrity is attainable by those kinds of artists? I think it's like a, it's such a it, it really like it all feels like magic, like what makes somebody an artist who doesn't disappear feels like magic, you know, <laughs> like. Uh, Dej Loaf had like a viral hit that came out of nowhere. She's guested on some sort of major label rap songs, now has a major label deal. Like, will Dej Loaf survive? Like, I it's so hard to it's so hard to make I that think call. We're all asking that question. And I, I, but I think, right, that now that survival has so much to do with sort of factors that are out, outside of the music. Like, how good is her Snapchat? Like, will her fans keep showing up to her shows? Like, is that's, her that's, live show see, any that, good? That seems depressing and weird to me. Like how mean, good is her Snapchat should definitely not be a basis on which we judge an artist. Well, I think, I think when, I mean, I think right, like in the case of an artist like J Cole, which like, let's not, 
assess his whether or not his music is great or just okay but uh like he has Snapchat created game. this long well i don't i don't know what jay cole's Snapchat game is like but he's created this like incredibly cement relationship with his fans right. where he can kind of continue to explore the creative terrain that he wants and continue to make money on the road and continue to kind of like disseminate whatever messages he wants to and i think that is like that is an example of a vital career in music today and right. i think that it's just a lot of that for J. Cole and artists like him has to do with like making exactly the music he wants. And I think at this point, right, labels or radio are kind of game to just push whatever's making money for them. Like there's no right. like huge rules. It just kind of like whatever, whatever is clicking. So, but I think, I think, yeah, you do have to, there's so many other factors have to come together and right. it's really hard. I'm, 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 I'm a writer and not a musician. No, but you, you have to kind of follow this. I mean, you have to kind of have a sense of it. I mean, in totally. your role, like you basically have to be able to say like, this is like what is coming up out of the, this ethereal sort of like stew. Like this is the person who's actually breaking through. Like you can recognize that. I mean, I presumably you guys can recognize it better than, I don't know, the average, the average music listener. Um, all right, let me do, let me do, I want to do, before we end, I want to cool. do a lightning round cool. with you. This Great. is all over the place, but I've enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> I want to do a lightning round on music. I feel like I did a lot of rambling and ranting, which is maybe always what I do. I don't really know, Magnus. Is it? It is. Okay. <laughs> okay, good. Um, lightning round. Can't be controlled. That's true. That's a problem. Um, who's, an, who's a new artist that is emerging right now that uh, everybody should listen to that maybe everybody doesn't know about? I'm a huge fan of Kehlani, who's an R&B singer from the Bay Area. She writes her own song. She's like really incredible on Instagram. Um, did she do she's an amazing she, was voice. she on a cover? Yeah, we just did a cover with her. Yeah. So hope she's small enough. But it's <laughs> uh, like kind of a big deal. She's yeah, she's just she's just really awesome. I really like the songs. OK, worst record of 2015. It's it's uh, September now, almost October. It may be October when you hear this podcast, depending on when it comes out. But uh, uh, we all sorry. I take that back. Bagdas corrected me. It will be October when you hear this podcast. Um, worst record of 2015. That is such a hard question. <laughs> it's it? like, if it's bad, why? I don't even but know about it. you've heard records, you're like, oh, I'll say sucks. that I, I have not listened to the Ryan Adams, Taylor Swift cover <laughs> thing and don't plan to. But you're, but I, not, you're not excited about it. Yeah, just, I'm just not going to listen to I it. I feel the same way. I feel strongly the same way. <laughs> All right, best record of 2015. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Uh, I'll... Vince Staples, Summertime 06, as well as Young Thug, Barter wow. 6. You had those, like, right... It seemed like you were going to be... You were going to have trouble naming the... the There's the a lot... There's been... A, there have been, an, like, a, a huge amount of really strong albums this year. Right. Okay. Um, what is the What is the musical trend that is starting now that is, like, has not made its way to the mainstream at sound a style, something that is happening right now that is going to be, that is going to change music in the near future? Um, a big trend right now is just, that's a dance trend is dabbing. Dabbing. Uh, but I think songs you can dab to what will continue dabbing? to succeed. It's like, imagine sneezing into your elbow, kind of like, and that that's the move. So A, if you put your body in that position, you, okay. it's a nice Instagram pose. You look good while this, you do it. This is, this and, is dabbing? Yeah. Like this. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so that's like, and it's fun to make videos too. So I think any song that like is sick to dab to will continue to succeed. I also, I think. How uh, weird, how weird is music? <laughs> how fucking weird is music? This is what I love about music, but any song that's sick to dab to will be successful or whatever. It's like... It just, it won't hurt. <laughs> but dabbing's not a style of music. It's just a dance move. No, but I think a dance like... dance move. God, it's like it's a billion. Like, 
Yeah, I don't know. It's a certain, anyway, so, so that dab, dabbing. dabbing is a big thing in rap right now. And, and what's and what what is a song that's great to dab to? I think any I mean anything from from DS2 is like a decent any any Metro Boomin beat you can dab to for sure. Yeah, of course. Of course that's what I do on my dabbing. Too. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what else? Anything else? Uh I think I I don't know I this is like I I wouldn't say that this is a this is a trend I would hope would take on um there's this guy Jack Queese, uh who's a singer sort of loosely affiliated with Birdman um and on the Young Thug album which I was speaking about he has this insane like almost like country esque yodeling ad libs they're just so <laughs> beautiful so I would say Yoda, country esque yodeling know, country the, the convergence of country and rap uh is always irresistible for me and oh, you i'm mean really like, interested um, in you mean this. like accidental racist the song with uh ella cool j and yeah exactly <laughs> like that no, is it toby keith no no who is it just as a reminder remember when accidental racist was a song yeah it's, oh we i feel like fader covered that actually pretty it's extensively amazing. <laughs> it's amazing just do yourself a favor and refresh your memory and go download and download go no, just go like stream and listen to accidental arrested racist. development country rap or something but, so like but something more something yeah, more but genuine I think like, you know if you if you like sort of squint your ear uh a lot of fetty web songs could sound like country songs as well so well, there is there is like but he's from jersey yeah from patterson south jersey yes <laughs> is, that, is patterson south jersey i have no Did fucking I just, idea oh, i honestly don't know we're terrible i know but but like but he's not from the south no but there no. certainly is that like there no. is a thread of i mean and listen i'm no expert but there is kind of like southern but the southern sound has influenced like tremendously influenced rap music absolutely like, totally i feel like has become the predominant sort of vibe in like absolutely. popular rap music now yeah i'm avoiding saying hip-hop because i feel like you've and, and you've I, shamed I almost, me the exceptions to that rule feel like exceptions right like there was a song called millie rock that was a new york song this year or, or like right bobby shmurda's huge hit last year those feel like exceptions you think so southern is like of, everything now sure but and and West Coast like DJ Mustard kind of took over Ugh, the radio. Mustard. His actual name is Dijon. Is that correct? Absolutely, Dijon okay. McFarlane. I, I believe. think that's so amazing. <laughs> I told somebody I was like, you know, his name is Dijon, and they're like, shut up, you're lying. I'm like, no, this is no, it's true. That's like a that for real. me, that's like a reliable party trick that people are like, wow. Yeah, so speaking of DJ, DJ Snake, mm-hmm. one hit wonder. Now he had that second. No, that second he's, track he's was... on Lean On too, right? That huge major laser oh, yeah, song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he seems to be behind the scenes, like somebody who all these people are really going to for like, what is that? What is that? What do you do when yeah. you do those songs? He's like, he's like a French dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I was like very that? surprised. Like I did not, I thought he was like from LA or New York or something. And then I'm like, oh wait, he's a French guy. Yeah. But now there's not all there's these like, wrong with that. Uh, you know, like the Felix Jehan remix of Cheerleader or something that became like the biggest song in the oh, world, yeah. you know, like yeah. of this like year old song. I think these, these like sort of like anonymous European men are really out here doing stuff. That's like, that's like a thing like where there's like a crazy weird remix, like sort of Euro. It's like a Euro remix of some song that nobody's ever heard of that becomes like a huge hit that actually is like a weird folk song. Yes. Like, prayer and see is yes. that a song uh-huh. where the, if you hear the original verse of that is like seriously like a soft folk song and yeah. the remix is like some techno euro techno thing anyhow all right listen this was a lot of fun we have to wrap because <laughs> we're like well over and now we have to wrap um the fader 100 is on stands october 27th october 27th and you can check it out on the fader. which also com. happens to be my anniversary so i feel like in a way this is your anniversary gift to me and laura <laughs> uh and and obviously the fader is on the internet all day every day and if you're interested in music, I highly... Say, I mean, if you're not reading The Fader, what, what's what are the you point? Doing? What's the point of even living? Zelda reads it. Zelda's a huge Fader fan. Nobody says The Fader. People say just say Fader, right? 
It is the fader, though. That's, a, you know, it, in addition to expanding culture, really really trying to get people to say the fader. Yeah. So just think about it, guys, when you're talking about the fader to friends and family. <laughs> Remember that, though. Yeah. Naomi, thank you for coming. Thanks, really Josh. It. And as always, I wish you and your family the very best. Although I understand your family has clicked on some internet links, and now they have no money. 